Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. We are talking with Dr. Missy Clifton from Learning is Created, and I'm just going to give you the floor. I want you to just tell us who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing. And um, we know you're working in the pro-life space, so why that's so important to you. And then if you would just kind of go into Learning is Created, tell us a little bit more about that, and then we'll get into our questions from there. I um, We will probably interrupt you a lot because we are both She's like... Fine. This is, this is a topic that isn't something we know anything about. So we're excited just to talk to you and, and find out more. So, well, I really enjoy interaction. So you guys can interrupt me all that you want to and ask questions and we can discuss things. I think that's really where learning takes place. Um, But I actually was attending a meeting for a friend at our church, um, the, the, the local pregnancy center had come by and said they were going to host this meeting and she was going to be out of town. And so I went to this meeting for her. I collected all the paperwork that she would need to go serve there. And I took it home and the Lord just kept taking me back, taking me back. I'm like, I don't even want to be at a pregnancy center. What are you doing here? You know, but he kept, as I think he does with this all, you know, when the call is there, you know, we have to choose to be obedient. So I called the lady who had held the meeting, and this is in 2017. Um, I had just finished seminary, and or I was, I was in my last semester of seminary, and um, and I'm like, okay, uh, I don't really want to be here, but the Lord seems to keep pushing me over here, so I don't know what you need. Um, I like my kids, uh, but other kids I, I'm not so sure about, um, <laughs> but here I am, you know, what, what what's going on here? <laughs> And so, you know, it turns out that my service actually started at the pregnancy center when they were launching their STI clinic. So they knew that I was an instructional designer, which they were thrilled about. We did take all of their training and put it online for them and, and all that great stuff. But they didn't realize that I was a HIPAA professional. And so as I'm watching this STI clinic, the process that they're going through, you know, I have all these little red flags going off in my head. And, and I went to my director and I'm like, you know... Um, you know, where did you get this process from that you're going through? And, you know, this is this and just started pointing out something. And so, you know, we took a step back and we, 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 we reworked a few things and went forward. And it was an amazing, amazing experience to watch these people who were just really taking the bull by the horn and say, you know, we're going to do this. 
and but also to see that they were um, pliable and moldable enough to pause and fix things that they needed to fix to do it above reproach and walk in wisdom. And so it was a really great experience. And it was within this time that the Lord kept whispering to me that this isn't the only place that has this problem. This isn't the only place that has this problem. And so I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? You know, I, I, I don't know what to do. You know, I've always worked for other people. And um, it turns out that that's where learning is created came from was from that experience there and I just started designing and creating content for the masses of in the in the pro-life pregnancy center world and thinking about you know what how can I fill that need in a way that is a blessing to them but also provides them with what they need to be compliant because nobody likes compliance it's just the way it is compliance <laughs> training you know people would rather go to sleep you know for a month than do compliance training but you know I, I understand that. Trust me, I, I get that. Um, I just, the Lord has given me all these laws in my head. I had to have them for a previous job that I had. I had to be certified in order to have that job. So that's, um, cool. that's, that's how I came to be in this pro-life arena, kicking and screaming. I love but, how God does that because I hear we, this is, you aren't the first person we've heard that from, you know, I'm sure not my dream job, right? This was not something that was on my radar. And, um, no. I, just to be clear, so we are in the abortion recovery space and, and, right. and not clear for you, but clear for those who are listening. And um, when you and I talked, do you mind if I call you Missy or would you like me to call you Dr. Missy? No, Missy's fine, please. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. Um, and so when we talked, I was coming to you and say, I'm a standalone abortion recovery ministry. And right. I was unsure with uh, all of a sudden there was a lot of um, talk around the new HIPAA compliance that's coming out and all these things. And I thought, oh my gosh, am I, what is, do I need to be HIPAA compliant? I didn't know. I know pregnancy centers do for the most part. And most abortion recovery comes under pregnancy centers. So it's, it, it's important for those leaders to understand um, how it's going to affect them in the pregnancy center world. I don't know that this does affect myself and other standalone abortion recovery leaders. And I hope that we can address that a little bit more as we talk. And so just for those listening, just to be very, very clear again, is I don't want to create um, fear panic, right. right, or panic in any way, shape or form. But right. I, Linda and I were talking about this a little bit before um, we got on today it seems like our side of the position of abortion has always kind of been catching up to what the other side's doing because they're the one trying to have change, right? We're the ones like, okay, everything is, we don't need to change. <laughs> like we don't need, you know, and we don't need to make these big changes. We aren't trying to um, get society to accept where we're at. And I think if there's one thing that we've learned over the years is that we do need to be prepared. We do need to start thinking ahead and, go a little bit more on the offense of this kind of thing. And in my mind, what I'm thinking, I hope that I'm wrong, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me. I hope that I'm wrong that one day this will affect standalone abortion recovery ministries, but because our aim is to end abortion through healing, my guess is, is we won't stay off the radar for long and they'll figure out you a way. Correct. No, yeah. you're correct. And that's something okay. that I um, actually 
as we've been talking about having this uh, this time together, that I really started thinking about, you know, you you talk about HIPAA like it's new, right? Like it's in HIPAA has been around since 1996. It's a very old law and it has been updated several times throughout the years. But HIPAA is um, is a federal law and what it requires is so, but there are some other laws that are out there that I want to talk about in, in a minute, but I want to kind of tackle HIPAA so that we can clear the air of who is required to comply with HIPAA and who is not required to comply with HIPAA. And then I'm going to introduce to you these other federal bills that are out here floating around that will most definitely impact you and other pregnancy centers that are not necessarily covered by HIPAA. Oh, good. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Exactly. Okay. So we know that HIPAA is not new. We know it's been around for a while. And um, in order to understand who has to be covered by HIPAA, we have to, there's two things that uh, an organization must be doing to be a HIPAA covered entity. First thing, they must be providing healthcare, okay, which pregnancy centers do. The second thing is they must be conducting an electronic transaction. So the big uh, false statement that is out there is, oh, well, we don't take insurance. We don't do anything with insurance. So we're not a HIPAA covered entity. And I said, okay, all right, but let's talk about how you do business because there's a section in HIPAA and I actually wrote it down somewhere for you. Um, if your users, if your listeners want to uh, write this down, mm-hmm. they will Google this into, if they'll type this into a Google search, 45 CFR, so that's Charlie Frank Rendezvous, 162.1101, you will come across a section of HIPAA and it's titled Healthcare Claims for Equivalent Encounter Transactions. And it's the second part that raises concern for me. So there's an A and a B clause, and the clause B contains the language that I, heightens my awareness of we need to understand really what this means. So B says, if there is no direct claim because the reimbursement contract is based on a mechanism other than charges, so you're not taking insurance, the transaction is the transmission of encounter information for the purposes of reporting health care, where that really yeah, break that me down. to have concern is <laughs> if you have a pregnancy center who is doing STI testing, okay? That pregnancy center, unless they're just doing the stuff that they break open right there, they're having to work with a lab, okay? When they start working with a lab, that lab is a covered entity. And that lab is going to have that pregnancy center sign a business associate agreement. That business associate agreement now requires that pregnancy center to be HIPAA compliant. So there's there's kill shot number one. Kill shot number two is this. If you are running the type of uh, STI tests that that have a a required reporting, I think chlamydia is one of those. If if an STI is done and it's positive for chlamydia, HIV, you have to, it is a mandatory reporting back to the health department. That sounds awfully like the transmission of encounter information for the purposes of reporting healthcare. So just because you don't accept insurance 
does not necessarily mean you're not a HIPAA-covered entity. And that is the pushback. That's the fight that I have when I do, when I go to conference is that I have all of these people. I have some national organizations who say, oh, they don't take health insurance, so it's not this. And I'm like, well, have you read this part of the law? So when I come up against this, I always, always, always encourage that center to go to a health care attorney in their state and say at 45 CFR 162.1101B, this is what it says. This is how I do business. Am I a HIPAA covered entity? If they say no, all right, say, are you going to represent me in a court of law when I get hauled into court over something? If they say no, you have a problem. If they say yes, then you might go with that attorney and you might not consider yourself a HIPAA covered entity. But if any pregnancy center is doing STI testing and they are doing it through any lab of reputation, that lab should have them sign a business associate agreement, which automatically requires them to comply with HIPAA. That's the long and short of it. Okay. So we're talking about pregnancy centers at this moment. And we're talking right. about abortion recovery entities that are under the pregnancy centers. And so right. you told me on the phone when we spoke previously that if you get hit for one um, HIPAA compliance issue, they're actually going to investigate every single point of potential HIPAA compliance, correct? So it just takes <laughs> one violation. It takes somebody to file a complaint. And then the OCR, if they find that to be a valid complaint, the OCR will let you know we're, we're going to come do an investigation and they will basically give you a list of the information that they're going to want from you. And it's going to include things like your security risk assessment, um, your audit logs, your business associate agreements, your policies and procedures, your training. Um, they're going to want to come in and you should be able to hand them or electronically, you know, hand them all this information. Absolutely. One complaint can bring that about. Okay. And so because we're basically focused on in the podcast, abortion recovery leaders, what I'd like to do is get your assessment of how that might affect those leaders who are under pregnancy centers, potentially, if it could. But then is this possible that maybe in the future, they're going to look for a way to write the language so that they can come after abortion recovery leaders who are standalone? Because we aren't necessarily reporting healthcare to anybody. But That's right. we have online forms. We we can't we we communicate through text. We communicate through emails, and it, I know it has something to do with electronic transmission, yes. trans right. transmissions. So, I and I just and again, I'm not trying to create panic for the abortion recovery leaders, but just seeing the handwriting on the wall that they are actively pursuing how to close down the opposition to abortion. Um. <clears throat> What can we, what should we just be aware of and keep our eyes open to and be, you know, and I just want them to get familiar with all of this information. So, so at the federal level, I am aware that there are some changes, changes coming with HIPAA. Exactly what all those changes are going to be. I don't know. I, I know some of them um, that would not impact an abortion, a standalone abortion recovery at all. Um, but if, if they were to broaden the definition of a HIPAA covered entity, and there are a lot of 
um, health insurance, uh, health information management people. Not, I'm not one of those people, but there are many people in my field who encourage the the uh, HHS to broaden that definition to include more organizations because we do need a national privacy standard for all information. With that being said, there are several laws at the federal level that would absolutely impact you guys if and when they become law. And I, I'm fairly certain at least one of these will pass. So we have, um, so like right now, if, if you are an abortion recovery person working under a pregnancy center who falls under HIPAA, you fall under HIPAA and you need to follow the guidelines, right? You need to be okay. HIPAA compliant. For a standalone abortion recovery center, or for the pregnancy center that is not currently a HIPAA covered entity. I Pregnancy centers fall within four categories right now. I have some that are full-blown HIPAA covered entities. They have to require, they have to comply with HIPAA. I have some that are in a state like Texas. Texas requires even your abortion recovery people, you would be required to comply with HIPAA there if you were in Texas. If you deal with people from Texas, you need to be complying with HIPAA because the Texas law expanded that definition of a HIPAA covered entity. And it says, if you're doing business with people in Texas, you need to comply with HIPAA. That's a really short brief of what it says, but basically that's what it says. And then I have some centers that are in a contractual obligation, like they are doing STI testing and the lab that they partner with requires them to be a bit to be HIPAA compliant, or I have organizations, for example, um, Missouri Alliance for Life, they get some state funds and, and that Alliance for Life is required to comply with HIPAA and anyone that they grant monies to, those downstream people are also required to comply with HIPAA. So it's really on a case-by-case -case basis, I ask people, well, how do you do business? Where do you get money from? And I go through this conversation to really hash out where they're at. The fourth category are pregnancy centers who are not in Texas, who are not in a contractual obligation, and they're not doing STI testing. They're basically just doing pregnancy tests and referring out, okay? There are some laws that are coming um, that would affect those centers as well as what you are doing. The first one is the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, uh, ADPPA. That one, I think has a really good chance of passing and becoming a law. And what is interesting about the American Data Privacy and Protection Act is it looks like they took the HIPAA security rule and almost copied and pasted it into this bill. So the things that I talk about with you on the security uh, in regards to HIPAA security would be applicable if this law passes. So the information that people are going to get from your podcast today would be very helpful for them to start listening to and looking at and seeking out this kind of information simply because when this becomes a law, they're going to be way ahead of the game. They're not going to be caught off guard. The other law that's out there is Protecting Personal Health Data Act and the My Body, My Data Act. Now, these two are more... Um, directly related to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And it is more about trying to not allow people to criminalize abortion. So I, you know, th these are very um, politically agenda type 
rules or, or bills at this time. So I don't know how far those will go, but if any of those three come to pass, they would have some impact upon the little bitty pregnancy center, as well as you, the standalone abortion recovery folks. So just know that they're out there and change is coming. The timing is, is, is a little difficult to, you know, things at the federal level move like a ship trying, like a huge ship trying to do a U-turn in the ocean. It's, it's, it's a very big, slow process, but um, it is coming. Okay. So <clears throat> thank you for sharing that with us. And so if these, so just looking at the, um, the individual abortion recovery ministries right now, because they're popping up and, um, and people, you know, the Lord is raising us up. And so mm-hmm. what would you suggest? What are some steps that we can take to, to understand how these things might affect us, but what we can do to protect ourselves? So the biggest thing that I want centers and abortion recovery people, anybody in the pro-life world, I really push for you guys to start doing a security risk assessment. I teach on it when I go to conferences and I have people ask me, you know, why do you teach on that? You know, it's, it has nothing to do with, with, with the training that you provide and you know, you're not making any money. I'm like, no, I'm not making any money there. But the problem is, is that 89% of the time when, when, when the OCR goes in, 89% of the time they find the violation of an incomplete or an absent security risk assessment. And I'm talking about from your little bitty pregnancy center or dentist office all the way up to multi-billion dollar uh, medical. They, they just are not doing these risk assessments. So if we can find a way for pregnancy centers and abortion recovery people to do security risk assessments, you're way ahead of the game because a security risk assessment, a good one, is going to show you where you're at currently. And it's going to give you the one that I recommend people doing gives you where you need to be. And so you see the gap in, in your organization and you can begin to apply and mitigate these, this gap in order to, to close it and be where you need to be, to be, to be compliant. Um, the security risk assessment that I recommend people do was developed developed by a grant from the OCR. And it is um, on the, well, you can go to learningiscreated.org, go to resources, and then there, that's a drop-down menu and select free HIPAA resources from there. And the very first link on that page is a link out to, to where this program is at. And it's a daunting task, but it's not undoable. And I just encourage people to start looking at it, start gathering the information they need to conduct this risk assessment and find out where your organization stands today and what do you need. If you use the program I'm talking about, it will give you, here's where you are and here's where you're lacking and here's where you need to be. And that if, if we don't know how to get there, you know, that's half the battle is understanding what I need to do to close this gap. So a security risk assessment will show you that type of information. The second thing I encourage people to do is you need to start training. Training is the widest and fastest net that you can cast over an organization 
to start creating a culture of compliance, raising the awareness about what it is your organization is doing. You need to start turning that ship, right? And so training is the fastest way to do that. Whether you do that with me or some other vendor, it's that's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is when you start raising awareness, you are mitigating the risk that your organization could be exposed to. Okay. Sounds like so much. So if you could, I'm, I'm looking at the, the risk assessment and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've had a little bit of a conversation with you and I'm still in the dark about what some of this stuff means. So on that risk assessment, what are some of the things that they're going to be looking at just to kind of give people an idea? Do I really need to do this? What, what is the importance of that? What am, what is it going to find out? What are the things that I'm looking at on that thing? Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. So the risk assessment that I'm asking people to do um, does seem a bit overwhelming. You know, God calls us to do hard things all the time. And so this should be not a surprise to any of us. Um, but as we look at that, um, and as I teach it at conference, you know, I tell people, you know, doing a risk assessment is like baking a cake. And I know that seems really simple, really simplified, but, you know, I don't say I'm going to bake a cake and walk in my kitchen and turn around with some fantastic looking cake, right? I've got to get my eggs out. you got to soften butter. you got to have sugar. you got to have flour. you got to have all kinds of stuff. I really don't know how to bake a cake, so I'm just winging it here. But, you know, we got to have... <laughs> Sounds like a good cook. cake. <laughs> but the, there's a process, right? There's a preparation to baking a cake, right? So there's also a preparation to doing a security risk assessment. So depending upon the size of your organization, you know, you might want to um, include your IT person. You might want to include someone who's really well versed with or, or is very, I don't want to say tech savvy, like an IT person, but someone who can look and say, oh, we got four tablets and two phones and six desktops and whatever, you know, somebody who really understands the, the technology. When they see it, they understand that's that's a device, right? And start building an inventory of these things. So we're going to have we're going to identify a team of people who can help us do a security risk assessment, especially in a pregnancy center, because the executive director or the nurse manager is simply not going to have enough time to do this by themselves. So we're going to identify a team. We're going to start identifying all of our devices, all of our technology, copiers, sonogram machines, computers, laptops, desktops, phones, tablets, anything that could create transmit or maintain protected health information. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to put in a pile, whether it be digitally or literally, um, all my policies and procedures, all my business associate agreements, right? And then we're going to also um, pull in any kind of documentation that might, um, like if you do background checks, you might include that type of stuff. So there's things that we need to do to be ready to do a security risk assessment. And that is, I have found people are overwhelmed from that right there. And it's simply it's, because they, do, they don't know what they have. Yeah. But once you have that list and you have it in this program, guess what? Now you know what you have. You know, you can ask the IT person, is this encrypted? Is this not encrypted? Because they're going to know. Um, the beautiful thing about this program is that it's, I can download it. Mindy, you can download it. Linda, you can download it. And we could save our security risk assessment file out here somewhere centrally 
and I can work on the parts that I know. And then Mindy can come in and put her name and work on the parts that you know. So it is truly a team effort, but all of this is docu documented for you along the way. It allows you to identify, let's say you have, um, you have a business associate with uh, a sonogram tech, right? That comes in and works on your sonogram machine. And you start looking for the business associate agreement because you should have one with them um, and you don't. Well, now you know you don't and you need to go get that. But if you don't ever look, if you don't ever start analyzing and, and looking at your organization from a compliance perspective, you just don't know where you're at. So the first step is figuring out where am I? Now, the question section of the uh, risk assessment is based on logic. So the very first question in section one is, have you ever done a security risk assessment? If you say no, it's going to give you some feedback about that. It's gonna give you some guidance and it's gonna give you some laws that you can look up. And if you so desire to learn more about that section, you can do that. If you, if, and that's probably gonna, I think that's, if you say no, you're done with that section. But if you say yes, it's gonna have different questions to ask you. So the whole program is built upon a logic. When you answer the questions in this, the first answer is always the right answer, right? So we have to be very honest with where we're at. Have I ever done a security risk assessment? No, I haven't, okay? Um, but as you read through those answers, you're gonna really see, oh, this is really how I should be operating, right? And there's a lot of support built within the program that I find um, is very helpful if we're willing to do the hard thing. Wow. It does sound like a lot. It sounds very overwhelming. Linda. I've but it's very seen, practical yeah. and I appreciate the practi practicality. I mean, this is where we're, we're need to go. Mm -hmm. And um, are we talking thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars? Or can you kind of give us ballpark for us little ministries out here or? The program is free. Oh, the program is free and it's yeah. acceptable by the government as a well, security risk it, assessment. It's their security risk assessment. If they walk it's in and I, hand, and I hand them their security risk assessment and I have mitigated all of the, that it has identified, all the risks that it identified, and I mitigated it according to the law, I kind of okay. have to I mean, what are you going to say? Right? Okay. I mean, I don't know and what to say. You come from a, a mental health background, it sounds like, too, as well. So mm -hmm. for the post-abortion, the abortion recovery work, do we fall under, does um, HIPAA apply to mental health? And is that where we would come under it? Or is it just physical health at this point? At this point, from what I've discussed with Mindy, I don't see you guys falling under HIPAA, okay? However, I say that with great caution because of all this other stuff happening at the Coming federal in. level. It's just like, it's yeah. like a matter, like I look every day, has this passed, has this passed. And doing this security risk assessment that I'm recommending, um, it is based upon the HIPAA security rule, but it's also based upon some other frameworks that are very helpful for health information type organizations. So that's what I said when the, um, what was the name of all the AV, the American Data Privacy and Protection Act? It looks like they almost copied and pasted the HIPAA security rule right into their bill. So even though this might be a HIPAA security risk assessment, it's a risk assessment based upon national standards that 
are going to help mitigate your risk. Trump signed into a law right before he left that if the OCR were to go into an organization and they saw that, uh, that the organization was doing these types of cybersecurity things, like they're doing the risk assessment, they're encrypting things, that that would have to mitigate some of the fines that would be imposed. So doing security is where the money's at for you and your savings, even though it might cost a little bit of money like to encrypt something, um, it, it, that investment will return itself in, in, in spades to you. It's gonna be well-invested money. This concludes part one of an hour-long conversation with Dr. Missy Clifton. Part two will be in the next episode, so hold on to your hats. I know this is super exciting to listen to, but we do just want to make you aware and hopefully have you prepared for what may be coming. And thank you for listening to this podcast. This is for you. This is not for us. Although we glean so much from talking to these different leaders and we enjoy these conversations and that's why we are doing the podcast to bring you into them because we believe that you're wanting conversation just as much. So please reach out to us if you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or if you know somebody who would make a great guest on this podcast, we would love to know what you want to talk about please feel free to contact us at abortionrecoverynetwork at gmail.com or mindy at anevenplace.com. We look forward to hearing from you.